the Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Listen to the exciting story of the American Community Schools of Athens. Check out what drives all the members of our international community of learners as we create the education of the future. Here's John Papadakis. Welcome to another episode of the ACS Athens Owlcast. Today with us is Hercules Lianos, a graduate of our school and a member of the ACS Athens faculty whose students are continuously challenged to reflect and analyze the information flow they receive and produce. It's all about media literacy. In the age of overabundance of information, it overflows our inboxes, our timelines, our chat boxes, and by extension, our lives. There are so many ways to cope with this daily deluge of news and facts, true and fake, objective and subjective, if there is such a thing, that finding the thread to untangle this knot seems to be getting harder and more pointless, especially if you're a member of the younger generation. I distinctly remember when I was waiting for the noontime newspapers to arrive at the newsstand so we can read the news or tune in the radio to listen to the hourly news broadcast. TV itself seems to be outdated since most of the news shows just reproduce the news off the internet. And if you think about it, each one of us are now news reporters and their news wires have almost been replaced by social media feeds. Did I forget something? Am I too blunt or how do you get your news? Well, I think uh, you covered a lot of uh, space there. So, okay, how do I get my news? Um, Well, I I think the landscape is a little more complicated than the one you uh, described, right? Uh, More complicated. It's a little more complicated now, right? Um, You know, you had the uh, evening news and you had your newspapers. Uh, whereas now, as you mentioned earlier, you know, in a, in a sense, you know, um, everyone, you know, with the advent of the internet and especially as we move forward, uh, has the ability to be a mass communicator. And in that sense, a, a publisher of sorts, you, you get a lot of information coming from a lot, a lot of angles. Um, and, uh, the nature of news organizations themselves have, has, have, changed. has changed dramatically, I would say, um, it's hard to argue for the better. I mean, there's a lot of good reporting, a lot of good journalism out there still, of course. But it's getting harder and harder to distinguish. It's harder, yeah, it's a cluttered environment, isn't it? So what is the role of proximity <laughs> when reporting on the news? I mean, can I trust just an opinion or an impression of an event when trying to understand what's happening around me? A few years ago, you would see the news reporter being on right right there next to you. Right. Right now, you don't see that much. No, no, you don't. And I I think there was always, you know, proximity was always something to be considered when reading or listening to news or viewing viewing the news. Um, I I would say, actually, it's interesting because I I wrote my my, uh, thesis for my master's was uh, on that subject, right? The the role of uh, proximity on the uh, reporting of international conflicts. Um, But at that time, what I was looking at more is uh, how 
you know, geographic proximity, political proximity, religious proximity, ethnic proximity. So you would see a, a conflict being reported on and depending on where the reporter was coming from, uh, the perspective would change, of course. Right. So, you know, for the Balkan uh, wars, let's say with the Yugoslavia, right, you have, you know, let's say a Russian media, uh, I mean, Greek media as well, uh, reporting the situation a little bit differently from, let's say, uh, Northern European media or American media, because there was geographic, religious proximity there. On the other hand, you also had India, Indian news reporting on the conflict there. And they were more sympathetic, let's say, to Serbia because they would look at their own situation and the idea of a country breaking up into different uh, states. Or, they relate or, or more. Fits it. Yeah, so then they, you know, so that affected the reporting there. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see how, how proximity uh, uh, plays a role. But now the proximity is on a different perspective. Pro proximity is a different perspective, uh, absolutely. Because now you don't have geographic limits. I mean, the news is right there next to you, the way they arrive. Uh, well, it's it's always there, isn't it? It's always available, always next to you. Uh, I mean, you still have social, cultural, political perspectives that you bring into your deconstruction of whatever information is coming to you. The interpretations. Yeah, the interpretations. So you're, you're a person of the news. I mean, you've been a writer and in journals and in newspapers, but also a media producer. Your students in the media literacy class have been engaged in media productions on the web, on video, on podcasts. What trends do you see in your students' attitude towards the media, especially the news and what goes around them? Uh, I, I can't say that there's a high level of trust How do they express that? Uh, well, uh, they're they're a bit cynical, uh, I would say. So cynicism, yeah, generally about in know, everything that they hear, or in particular cases. Uh, generally, generally, broadly speaking, broadly speaking, uh, I would say that there's a, there's a, a cynicism uh, towards uh, news. How do they express that cynicism? I mean, do you have discussions, and they come to you and they say? What are you talking to me about? No, I mean, we have discussions in class and we talk about uh, the news and biases uh, uh, as well. You know, un understanding factors that might uh, influence how um, events are interpreted. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess they are, are focused on the possible influences. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they're, they're a little distrustful. So they look beyond <clears throat> what is being reported. Yeah, in, in a sense. And and do they come to you with maybe ideas why this is like that? Or how would they report if that was an issue on, on them or if there was an assignment on them? You know, there's very much uh, talk lately about misinformation and disinformation and, and fake, fake news. What, what's the difference? Disinformation uh, and misinformation. Well, disinformation is intentional, hmm. so that that's that's a difference. So, so producing fake news, right? Right. You know, purposefully. And misinformation. And misinformation is something that is you know might be false, but it's you know reported anyway before understanding whether it is or it isn't, and before uh, double checking. Before double checking, and I think that that is one of one of the ways news has changed. Is you know normally, like you said, you would pick up your newspaper the next you know in the morning, mm -hmm. or maybe watch the news in the evening. Um, but then you know we have, for example, CNN uh, comes with a twenty four seven. News the, the first channel. The first channel, right? And we see it with the uh, Gulf War One, right? That's, you, you need a constant feed of news, 
right? It needs to keep coming. And then other, you know, stations follow that model. Then you have the internet where things are being tweeted by journalists, you know, every other minute. So you don't even wait to see it on TV. It, right, Re at real time. <laughs> it has to be real time and interpreted in real time. And, you know, so that's how a lot of misinformation gets out there. It does, it's not right. checked. Right. You know, there isn't a, you know, a, a sober uh, handling of that information. No editorial check. No, no editorial check. It's it's out there, it's out there, especially if it's, you know, gonna be a little juicy as well. Right. right? You just throw it out there. And, and they tend not to correct the mistake, if there is a mistake, it's just out. Yeah, and and, and you know, and even if you correct it, once it's out, what, what how does that expression go? Uh, a lie can travel around the world quicker than the truth can put its pants on. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so right. that is something we we discuss in class about sources. And does this uh, feed their distrust? This this handling of information, this real time flow. I, I think I think so. I think so. It's, they realize that. I think they realize it. Or when we discuss it, once it's discussed, they very quickly recognize it. Mm. Right? They they understand it because they understand the modern media mm -hmm. landscape. John, I think even better than you and I. <laughs> Absolutely, I do. Right? Or they have a different perspective. Right. Right. That feeds their impression. Right. Different than what our perception was. And to tell you the truth, when I was in my high school years, uh, my father used to tell me that not many people know how to read the newspaper. Oh, that's interesting. Did, so, he, did he explain further? Well, let me tell you, uh, you know, this was a challenging premise to me since I thought I knew how to read. Mm -hmm. Okay, but reading a newspaper is a totally different thing, as he was saying, because why an article is placed where it's placed mm -hmm. on the page? Sure. sure. What does the language of the title signify sure. how important is the typesetting mm -hmm. of the content mm -hmm. and so many similar questions were not and still are not answered by schools in classrooms i mean yeah okay newspapers are not the thing right now right. but same question can be asked about the internet where the editor now is an algorithm and mm -hmm. the amount of information competing for our attention is limitless so what does it mean to be media literate nowadays? I mean, what traits or skills are needed for a young person to have in order to know how to read the media? It sounds like you got your training early at home. <laughs> and I think a lot of the questions that, that your father is asking are questions that everyone should be asking themselves. And, uh, you know, so in class, we look at what we call, you know, media tools. And uh, mm -hmm. so first you, you look at a text, okay, video, uh, an article. So you, you have to ask a series of things to consider. What's the institutional purpose? Mm -hmm. So uh, who's the publisher? Who's the publisher? What's the institutional purpose? A profit is usually uh, there to inform, entertain, call to action, what? Who's the creator? Who's the author? What do we know about that person? Who's the target audience? Because, you know, it's kind of the chicken, the egg, because you want to appeal to that audience. So that might shape what you write or what you produce. And you might shape the audience too with what you write or produce, right? And, and this is a difficult idea for someone to grasp because you think you are picking the news source, right. mm. but I think it's the other way around nowadays. The news source picks it's, the audience. Absolutely. So there's the audience. And then of course, well, what is the content? 
what's being said, what's being included, what's not being included. And then the aesthetic choices, which is also going back to what mm -hmm. your father was saying is, what font is being used, what images are being used, what language is being used, all of that. So, and I guess the idea is to have those tools, not to, to be a, a critical consumer of, uh, of information, rather than relying, let's say, on, on, on charts that somebody else might produce that'll tell you what you can trust, what you can't trust. I think you, you have to be able to do that because you could, you know, you could take that chart, for example, and apply the same media tools to that chart. That's right. <laughs> right. And, and the idea is that, I mean, I, I've been impressed when I have this kind of discussion with students that are mm -hmm. coming in the media studio mm -hmm. and we just start the discussion and you see that they are hooked on the idea that it's not as simple. So the more you feed them these kind of ideas, mm. they start on their own thinking right. a little bit more critically. Right. So next time they come and they say, oh, I heard that. It's like what we said. Mm. So this critical thinking training, mm. as you said, mm. is, is very critical mm. for critical thinking. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's the answer to what your question earlier. Uh, what does it mean to be media literate? Right. Right. So students are introduced through the, the school, uh, in particular in your classroom, in the process of looking for, curate and produce the news. Mm -hmm. OK, so do they know what they're looking for? I mean, so what is news at the end? What makes a news piece credible to them? Are you talking about these kind of issues in the class? We cover a lot of a lot of ground. <laughs> But, but we do. Well, the lesson we just had now was on uh, the SOJ's um, Society of Journalists' uh, Code of uh, Ethics. Hmm. Which is how old, by the way? Oh, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> it goes far back, but I think it's uh, transferable. Mm -hmm. It's relevant. Yeah. Um, you know, about minimizing harm, you know, sourcing your information mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and all. Do they relate to these kind of... I, guidelines I, uh, yeah i think they do once we talk about them i mean they they understand them they're very logical mm -hmm. <laughs> it's common sense it's common, you would think it's common sense you would think right we talk about transparency yeah as well you know revealing any conflict you might you or your news organization might have on reporting a story you know so they 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 get it you are listening to the owlcast the official podcast of ACS Athens. Today we talk with Hercules Llanos, Academy teacher of media literacy. Stay with us as we discuss what does it mean to be media literate today, objectivity and purpose of reporting the news, targeting a specific news audience, the Fox News example, and the effect of opinion leaders on the impact of information to the public. So as you talk in the class about, let's say, objectivity and the challenges of determining mm -hmm. whether what we watch and read is credible, mm -hmm. um, can you describe a discussion you've had 
uh, with the students about bias, so personal or collective. We, we've had this discussion. Actually, this is a discussion we have throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's always a, a to what extent question, mm-hmm. which there isn't a singular answer to to that. How biased? You know, it's hard to quantify it. But we, we do have these discussions, and I guess we start. You know, actually, uh, Dave Dave Nelson in Combo. Mm-hmm. You know, he Combo would, class. Combo class. He would you know he tell the students everything is biased. And and as I, soon as and it's, I, it's I, being produced by a human, hmm. you have a bias. I, I and I re, I repeat that. So you know, I tell them you know even like what a cooking recipe. I never put one tablespoon of olive oil. I have at least four. Okay. <laughs> Cooking bias. Yeah, everything's biased. Okay. So <laughs> I think they understand that. Um, and I think the number one, the number one step is to understand it now. Because again, the news model has changed uh, as well. Like if we look at the United States and it, okay, it starts, let's say Fox News pioneers it saying, you know what, we're not going to go for I sit here like Walter Cronkite and I speak in a neutral voice, a serious neutral voice, and I just report the news to the American public. And I'm going to try to get as much of a demographic of the news consuming public as possible. They're like, you know, we're going to target a certain group. Specific group. It'll be Republicans. And that's that's who we're going for. Highly successful. And then you have, you know, MSNBC, CNN, they follow suit. They're like, you know what, we're going to go for the liberals. We're going to go for the liberals. And, and there was a Pew Research poll, right? And uh, where they asked people that watch Fox News, what party do you affiliate with, if any? And then it was overwhelmingly like 96, 97% Fox. MSNBC, New York Times, uh, CNN, 96, 97%. So that idea of the news being objective, you know, and of course each side accuses the other of being <laughs> biased, right? So we had a discussion in, in class uh, yesterday where you know, we said there's some media, some programs on the Hill or other independent uh, programs and or cross crossfire. Remember mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Do you consider the Hill independent? Some of the journalists they bring on, you know, um, but what they do is that they they identify they identify themselves. I see what you say. As I'm a libertarian, and we're like, is it okay? Then we have that discussion. Is it okay to say that if you're if you're a journalist, to give your political ident- uh, mm-hmm. identity to the public. And most of the kids said yes, because at least we'll know that that's that person's perspective. That's interesting. Well, you know, from what you're telling me, you're bringing me to my next question, which mm. is, we are in an international school, mm. and we don't have just a Western uh, countries students in here. We have mm-hmm. from Asia, we have from uh, 60 countries. Is it over? Yeah. Over how, how do these students uh, coming from all these different backgrounds see the media landscape, which is, from what I understand, in our environment, it's mostly Western, mostly US-based, mm-hmm. Western Europe-based. I mean, these are things that you have to know to understand what a libertarian is, uh, you know, right. who's a Republican and why a Republican is right. considered conservative. Right. Are there liberal Republicans? I don't know. I mean, right. is there such a discussion into uh, your we, sessions? That's actually a good point. Most attending school and most students have lived you know, they've bounced around internationally. They're they're aware. Okay, we do in our next unit talk about different media systems, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, private, public, state. That's right. Okay, and we and we pull examples from Greece, at which is semi-public or state, let's say uh, BBC style. Yeah, uh, BBC. Uh, then we get China Daily, RT. 
so we look we look at different and see what. So they get involved in this kind of discussion. We, we do. We haven't had it yet, but we're going to talk about the different. Uh, but as a scope systems. of the class, yes. I mean, you go through this discussion. Yes, yes, yes. That's yes, what I'm yes, talking yes, about. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I mean, you are a person of the media, as we're discussing. I guess you spend a reasonable time during the week or day browsing, reading, or watching. What are your media sources for the news and for opinion? Uh, it's a mix. Mm-hmm. It's a, I, go to, I go to a lot of places. I'll catch uh, mainstream media as, as well. For the same event? Usually, yes. Usually, yes. Now, there might be because, and this is interesting how my habits have changed. Like, I might be, let's say, well, I'm not on Facebook that much anymore, but uh, wherever I am, like, well, let's say if it's Twitter or yeah. um I follow people and then they might post something that I find interesting. So what's your process? You you hear something on Twitter, let's say, or on any anywhere you roam. I mean, do you look for the source? Do you look who wrote it? Well, I'll spend some time on the feed. And I think like most people now, a little more than I should be, kind of mindless, mm-hmm. <laughs> mindlessly. Right. Let's right, be honest. Right. <laughs> um, I've follow certain people on both aisles politically mm-hmm. and from, you know, different countries as far as English is used. Uh, so if something is posted, I'll take a look at it. Uh, I, but I do visit, you know, New York Times. I used to look at RT as well, but that's the, you can't do that now. Haaretz. Which is uh, Israel. Israel. Israel, you know, uh, so I, I kind of, I shop around. I shop around. That's a good practice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I, I'm doing the same thing. Exactly right. the Al same Jazeera. thing. Yeah, you as well. Um, so I'm trying as much as possible to right. get both sides of the story. Right. And I'm not a news person. I mean, I'm right. not a journalist. I'm not, you know, but I cannot, you know, help but think that there's always a flip side for right. everything. So how can you be mostly informed and have a clear perspective if you don't see both sides. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And 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 the idea is, I mean, this is why, you know, and, and I know how dear you hold media literacy. The idea is to have a, a citizenry that, mm-hmm. that can critically look at the news, wherever it's coming from, right. and, 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 you know, have the tools to deconstruct it, that you would have to have somebody protecting you from news that right. might that would also be assume that what you're getting is completely objective is debate part of your class do you do debates uh, we don't no we don't formally but these are questions that i think uh, are a lot of people's minds uh, even people as young as you know my, my students who are in uh, high school mm-hmm. there's i would say dialogue there you go <laughs> a variety of right. opinions a variety it doesn't it doesn't get out of hand people might disagree uh you know i, I remember a couple of, it was two years ago because it, this is its third year right so it's still a work in progress they say you know you need three years to sort of iron out a new course and uh, that was in the middle of covid pandemic and in the middle of covid <laughs> pandemic exactly don't uh, forget that yeah and there's a lot of moving pieces right. because we do media theories and we do production. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I have people that I could turn to, like like you and Mr. Thanasis Palos in the, in the, the, in the, in the media studio, uh, who have been a, a you know, invaluable resource <laughs> for us. He's a moving library <laughs> yes. of things to do and assist. There is a public benefit corporation, you know about that, called Ad Fontes Media. Right. Okay, which in Latin 
uh, means to the source, right? which in a sense rates international news sources according to their political skew and their reliability. Yeah. Um, the skew varies from extreme right to extreme left, and the reliability scale mm-hmm. is from original fact reporting to fabricated inaccurate information. All right. All right. So the graph, mm. if you see the graph, mm. uh, I've seen, I've seen it. <laughs> the rating produces a curve where the more the skew, the less the reliability. Mm-hmm. So it it is a very interesting chart that I see regularly because mm. there are always adding mm. new media mm. sources and could assist anyone in determining whether the information they receive should be taken seriously. Mm. The real danger mm. I see mm. is that most of the algorithms that determine what we read or watch mm. create a filter that mm. caters to our reading or watching history. So in a sense, what we said before, we are caught in a vicious cycle, the source chooses the audience. So if we ourselves do not have the critical thinking skills to determine the reliability of our sources, I'm afraid we are served what we believe and Mm. not the truth. Mm. Have you had any discussions with your students about this? I mean, what is the feedback you get from them on this kind of discussion? I think once we, and and I I completely agree, and, and that's why, you know, we should have our own media tools to create our own charts. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> I think once we engage in that discussion, uh, the, the the students are, w- are well aware, they know what algorithms are and, uh, and they understand how uh, essentially through our viewing history, like, like you mentioned, uh, we, you know, we create our own little echo chambers. Echo chamber, right? that's right, that's and, the term. And actually with media, the- it's interesting because there's, we look at diff- various media theories that were developed from the early 20th mm-hmm. century to today. And we see how some that became not obsolete, but new theories came out and they were the new hot thing as to mm-hmm. what's going on. But one of the theories was called two-step flow theory. Okay, and that, that was about, I don't know, 50 years ago or something. It went from essentially, you know, magic bullet hyperdermic needle. You know, you hear information and and then you believe it. Okay, and then people started saying, wait, wait, hold on. Doesn't it actually work like that? What you have, it's opinion leaders that matter. Somebody will hear information, right? They'll be a sort of an opinion leader within your own social circle or whatever. That They will then disseminate that information and then you start you know, adopting it, mm. right? Like, you know, the loudest guy at the Taverna, for example. That's right, <laughs> okay. that's right, that's right. <laughs> um, but now, but then they started moving away from that with Stuart Hall and saying, you know, that we, we everybody deconstructs messages according to their own social cultural context. But now we see though that the idea of the two-step flow thing kind of reinvigorates, we noticed in class. Uh, I, don't, I haven't read it anywhere, but we were talking about it in class because of social media. Right. Somebody posts something that they read, like I said earlier, oh, that guy posted it. This should be interesting. You know, maybe they comment on it and now they're sort of controlling it. So it's it's interesting. Finally, I've read somewhere that one of the ultimate goals of media literacy is to find a common ground for meaningful and thoughtful discourse. Mm. Do you agree? I mean, how can this be achieved in a school environment? And what would be the ultimate goal of your class in media literacy? Well, the ultimate goal is to, because it's ACS embraces interdisciplinary approaches. Edu- approaches. But, you know, classes have their focuses, right? If you're taking physics, if mm-hmm. you're taking, uh, so the ultimate goal, let's say for the media literacy, communication and productions, that's a full title, uh, course, is to be media literate. And perhaps to get back to what you're saying, having that mindset 
you know, immediate literate mindset, I would say opens you up to mm. the idea that there are different perspectives or maybe you need to listen to them or take them into account and lead to dialogue. That's something we, we, we try to promote here, right? With the Socratic seminar, as you see. Uh, so it bleeds through to many ble- different things. It, it bleeds through, yeah, I, I think so. Do you have somebody in your class who wants to go towards that direction as a career? As a news person or as a media person? Yeah, there, there, there are a few. Send them our way. There are a few, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mr. Hercules Llanos, thank you so much for being with us. It was my pleasure. We'll talk soon. We News are never ending. Yes, yes. Okay, thank you so much. I very much enjoyed it. Thank you, John. You are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Make sure you subscribe to The Owlcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This has been a production of the ACS Athens Media Studio. Mm-hmm.